When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding. And I'm your host, Isabel Hauser. And I am your host, Simon Brooks. And we have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. Hello, Story Story Podcast hosts. Hello. Hello. (laughs) So we thought you might enjoy hearing a few stories from your intrepid hosts before the podcast goes on a bit of a hiatus. More about that later. But the first story for this episode is going to be by Simon Brooks. And Simon, before you start us off with your story, what are you up to this summer? I'm going to meet Hans Christian Andersen at the in Central Park in New York City and I'm going to be telling a couple of Hans Christian Andersen or a Hans Christian Andersen story and another and another story there and I'm also going to the Adirondacks in New York which is a completely different part of New York um, to tell stories there but my main part of summer is telling folk and fairy tales and myths and legends to many 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 little people young people across New Hampshire and Vermont and then at the end of all that um when the fairies sprinkle their dust and revive me, uh, I'm going to be going to the UK to, to stand amongst the standing stones and walk amongst the forest and search for fairies and also go to my brother's wedding, which is a very monumental event. My brother, he's, he's, much, he's, he's a bigger and stronger guy than I am. And so he's actually having giants as ushers at his wedding, which is going to be kind of different. And they're coming all the way from Wales. So I'm very much looking forward to that with some intrepidation because you can never tell how giants are going to behave. Hopefully he's found the right pair. <laughs> Hope so. And he's got enough food too. <laughs> yes, right. Otherwise we're going to be running for our lives. <laughs> I don't think he thought that through very well. Hmm. <laughs> this is part of the budget for a wedding. <laughs> So what story are you telling us today? So the story I'm going to tell you, it's a story that I recently heard and I really liked it. And I did some digging around for it. And I, I, I don't 100% know exactly where it comes from, but I believe it comes from the east coast of Africa. And I believe it's a Swahili story. Um, but I'm looking for more information to actually find this out. And it's called The Hole in the Sea. Once, first woman was created and she looked after the animals and she looked after the plants and she was young and strong and vigorous and she enjoyed her work but as she got older the hot sun that beat down upon her sometimes burned her and the cold winds made her feel cold and the rain soaked her through and so she called up to the sky god to ask if the sky god could create a a, a place of shelter for her And Sky God was busy, and Sky God said, yes, yes, soon, soon, soon. And so this this woman, she patiently, patiently waited. 
for a whole year and the sun beat down on her skin and the, the wind blew on her face and the rain soaked her through. And at the end of that year, she caught up again, Sky God, Sky God, could you send me a shelter to protect me from the elements? Yes, yes, soon, 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 I am busy. And another year went by and the sun beat down on her skin, the wind blew through her face and the rain covered her. For a third year, she called out, Sky God, please send me some sort. Yes, yes, soon, soon. And she waited all that year and received nothing. So in the fourth year, she called out, Sky God, may I have a stone? Well, yes, that's easy. Help yourself. Take any stone you want. And so she took her large cooking pot, pushed it to the shore, climbed into it. And with a, a, a spoon, she paddled her way out into the water. And the waves at first were choppy, and she bobbed about in a straight line, heading to some place that it seemed that she knew. A fish leapt out of the water and splashed back in. You're going to the hole in the sea? And the old woman said, yes, I am. You should turn back. No, I shan't. And then this huge sea eagle flew down. You're heading to the hole in the sea. Go back, go back. No, no, I know where I'm going. Thank you. And she paddled on. And the sea became calm. And she looked down and she saw the stone that she wanted at the bottom of the sea. And she reached down and down and down and down. And she, she put her hands, her fingers around that rock and pulled and pulled, but it would not move. So she put her other arm in and down and down and down. She reached until both hands were holding onto this rock and she pulled and pulled. And the fish once again leapt out and said, do not remove that stone. It is the hole in the sea. And the sea eagle came down. Do not take that stone. It is covering the hole in the sea. And Sky God heard this and said, what? That's, that's the rock that covers the hole. Leave that rock where it is. And she said, no, you said I could take any rock that I wanted. And this is the rock that I am going to take. And she pulled and poof, up it came. And she pulled that stone, that beautiful stone up into the boat. And the sea started to swirl and churn as it made its way out through that hole that was beneath that rock. Put the stone back, put the stone back, cried the sky chief. No, this is the stone that I want. You said that I could have any stone that I wanted, and this is the one I chose. Put it back, put it back. The fish leapt out. Put it back, put it back. The sea eagle came down. Put it back, put it back. But she would not. And so the sky god thought to himself, no, 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 I must do something. I know. And he created the first dog. And he, he pushed the first dog's nose down into the hole and it stretched out and the dog shivered in the cold, but the water still got around the dog's muzzle. And the woman looked at that dog shaking and shivering in the cold water and she reached her arms down and pulled the dog out and she held it close to her in her arms and she said, I will keep you warm and I will love you and I will look after you. And the sky god said, no, 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 no. Uh, he created another young maiden, a young woman, and he placed her in the hole in the sea. Use your knees to stop the water. But of course, her knees did not work. And see, she shat, <coughs> and she sat there and shivered and shocked and she said, 
And she sat there and shivered. And the old woman saw this young girl shivering. And so she reached down and down and pulled the young girl out. And she held her in her arms. And she said, I will keep you warm and I will love you. I will take care of you and put her in the kettle along with the dog and herself. And the sky got, no, 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 no. And he created a man and he sat him over the hole. But the water still found a way to, to go out through the hole in the sea. And the young man sat there shivering and shaking. And so the old woman once again reached down and she pulled him up and she held him in her arms and said, I will take care of you. I will keep you warm and I will love you. But the fish and the eagle and the sky god, they said, you have to put the stone back. You have to put the stone back as the water swirled down and out through the hole. And she said, I wanted this stone and I will keep this stone. But if I am allowed to keep this woman and this young man and this dog, I will put the stone back. But twice a day, I want to come and get it to decorate my garden. And so the sky god agreed and she put the stone back over the hole. And she rode back in a little kettle to the shore and she made a warm fire for the dog's nose was, was cold, but it would remain so. And the woman's knees, so they say, they were cold, but they remained so. And the young man, well, he always had his back to the fire and I think that says enough. But... Together, they were able to create a shelter for themselves and she raised her new family. And twice a day, she would go and take that stone out of the hole of the sea. And now we have tides. The end. Ooh, I've never heard that one. I never heard that one. I, I wish I could remember the name of the storyteller that I heard it from, but it was recently and I fell in love with it and I started looking for it online. I could only find a picture book, but some of the words in it uh, led me to believe that it was a Swahili story. Um, but I, I still need to find out more about this story to find out its, its true origins um, because it doesn't say so in, in, in the picture book. Mm. And I've made a few That's changes. That's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, yeah, that was lovely. <laughs> and I love your sound effects. <laughs> yeah, I'm a boy. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> the fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Wishing Orchids. Orchids may seem like elves of the plant world, and they certainly work magic. Wishing Orchids is a sustainable organization utilizing and promoting indigenous people. The elven folk of lesser matter are propagating these orchids and training people to help make a better planet. Ever wanted that child you couldn't have? To have one last conversation with that person that passed too soon? Ever wanted to mend a rift between two friends or family members? Wanted to help someone in great need? Wishing orchids can help you with that. Nurturing these magical plants will bring you closer to healing a broken you, to help bring you closer to heal a broken place, to bring you closer to, well, something is truly important. Reach out to the Lesser Matter Elven and ask about their wishing orchids. 
Warning, wishing orchids do not procure wealth or fame, fast carriages or horses, shiny shoes or buff bodies. If you have a small heart, this might grow and become a little softer. Your buttocks might unclench. If you do not smile often, this may change, creating some more pleasing surroundings for yourself and others. The second story for this episode is by our host, Rachel Ann Harding. Before you share your beautiful story, do start us off with what you are doing this summer. Probably. So I'm growing womb fruit. As of this recording, I'm about seven months pregnant. And it's been a really interesting experience, but most of my time has been spent preparing a special place for our new family member. And the nursery has bits of fairy tale magic all through it. I've started interviewing fairy godmothers, but it takes a really long time to get background checks done. So a lot of the fairy godmothers have rap sheets going back to the 1400s when they were giving children strange gifts like the ability to cry and have their tears turn into diamonds. And then other children, when they spoke, they'd have toads coming out of their mouths. So I'm hoping to find a more modern, sensible fairy godmother for our child, one who can give simple and useful gifts like being really good at cooking eggs or the ability to garden bell peppers really well. So that's uh, that's what we are working on towards the end of the summer. We are going to have a sweet summer child and um, and hopefully find a good fairy godmother for him. I am crossing all my fingers for you that you will find the perfect fairy godmother or maybe even fairy godfather. Yeah, me too. (laughs) We're open to that. (laughs) So if any fairy godfathers are listening out there, do send your um, application to storystorypodcast at gmail.com. Rachel Ann and her husband and the baby will be so delighted to hear from you. But please do include your references because Anne does run very thorough background checks. Mm-hmm. So, Anne, what story are you going to tell us today? So today I'm going to tell a story that I, I have enjoyed telling quite often lately. Because you see, once upon a time, there were three princesses each more beautiful than the next. And the two older princesses, why all they cared about were being proper princesses. Now their younger sister, she was about nine and she was less interested in being a proper princess. She was always and forever coming home with mud on the hem of her skirt, with sticks and twigs in her hair and a story in her mouth. And her nanny was always scolding her. Why can't you just be a proper princess? One afternoon, this little princess was sent out into the garden with her golden ball, and she was told to go play before dinner and try to be a proper princess. That little princess, she went to her favorite part in the garden. It was somewhat in the back with shady trees and a nice well and things that went squelch and beep and burp, and she loved those things. And she sat down by the well, and she began throwing her golden ball into the air and catching it. Proper princess, proper princess. What if I don't want to be a proper princess? And she threw her ball so high when she tried to catch it again, it was out of reach of her fingers and fell into the well, and she heard it splash at the bottom. Princess, look at there for a moment. She began to cry. She began to cry. 
chicken's whale. <laughs> she heard a voice that said, are you dying? What is wrong with you? And she took a moment, she looked around, and the only thing that could have spoken to her was this huge frog sitting on the edge of the well. And so she ex- tried to explain it. And the frog said, I think you're going to have to stop crying. I can't understand you. I got the ball, and I'm going to get in trouble for not being a proper princess. Oh, said the frog. That's all. Well... I could get your golden ball and and in return you would need to be my friend and let me eat from your golden plate. Oh, the princess's eyes got big. The frog's eyes were big looking at her. She rushed toward the frog. The frog braced himself expecting to be shoved into the well, but no, she picked him up. She began swinging him in a circle. You want to be my friend? I have never had a frog as a friend. And she was so excited. The frog was in danger of getting quite dizzy when the dinner bell rang. And the princess put the frog under her arm, ran across the lawn, up the steps, the castle slid to a screech in front of the door of the dinner. And then she straightened her dress and she opened the doors and she went inside. Now, her family was already sitting down and eating. And the princess Well, she sat down with the frog next to her and she started offering him little pieces off of her plate. Now, her sisters very quickly noticed the frog and the oldest one. Oh my gosh. What is that? That's a frog, daddy. That is so gross. Make her take it away. And the younger one took up the chorus. That is really disgusting. Make her take that frog down to the kitchen and we will eat it as an hors d'oeuvre. And the littlest princess, she picked up the frog and she said, you can't, you can't take my frog. I promised I would be his friend and he could eat off my plate. And daddy, princesses always have to keep their promises. Isn't that right? And the king was watching all of this as his wife was leaning over and muttering out of the side of her mouth. Uh, We should have paid some children to play with her. This is what happens. And the king was watching the frog being squeezed so tightly. His eyes were starting to bulge. And the king said, well, she did make a promise. So she, she should keep it. Thank you, daddy. And she put the frog down by her plate. And she tried to feed him little bits. But the frog, he wasn't very interested in what she was having for dinner. So he entertained himself by making big squishy faces at her sisters. After dinner... The princess took the frog down to the library and there she read her favorite books to him and he ate some of the book lice and the flies that were buzzing around. And then Nanny came in and she said the princess needed her bath, but a princess could not take a bath with a frog. That would certainly not be appropriate. And the princess said she would take a bath with a frog and she would keep all of her clothes on and she would have a bubble bath. And she climbed into the bath with all of her clothes on and she made the frog the admiral of her navy. And if you have never taken a bath with a frog as the admiral of your navy, you have never really taken a bath at all. Afterwards, she got into a nice clean dry nightgown and she had a bowl of water brought to the bed so the frog wouldn't dry out. And the bowl was set on the pillow beside hers and she curled up in bed and the frog just leaned over the edge of the bowl and they chatted late into the evening. 
and the candle was starting to grow quite low and the princess was so sleepy. And as her eyes were starting to drift close, she said, you are the best froggy friend in the whole world. And she gave him a goodnight kiss. In that moment, there was a crash, the sound of thunder, a splash of water on her face. The princess opened her eyes and there was no frog. No, there was a boy about her age looking very confused and slightly damp. And she did what anyone might do, finding a young, slightly damp boy in her bed. She pushed him off the other side and she fell off the other side and she leapt up and she began searching in the blankets. My, my frog, where's my frog? Did you swish my frog? Where's my frog? And all she could find were broken bits of a bowl. And the boy stood up on the other side and he said, well, I'm your frog. And she says, you look nothing like a frog. And he said, no, I, I, my mother's a witch and she had a spell go wrong and it turned me into a frog. Really, I think he thinks she was trying to avoid my teenage years. She said it would take a while for the curse to be broken. But, you know, you broke the curse quite early. So um, I'm your frog. And the princess began to whimper. She began to whine. And then she began to wail. I want my frog. And the boy, well. He couldn't turn himself back into a frog. So he came around the side of the bed and he patted her arm and he tried to console her as best he could. And finally, when she was that hiccuping kind of sobbing part where you're starting to calm down, he said, well, you know, I, I may not be a frog anymore, but if it's any consolation, I know where all the big, biggest frogs live. That was some consolation. And he crept out of the palace that night. And the next day she met him in that place beside the well where there are things that go squish and plop and beep. And they were the best of friends. And you know that golden ball? It's still down in that well, waiting for another story to come and find it. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. I That's... love your spin on that story. I do too. That's Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. It's it's one of my favorite adjustments that I've done to the old fairy tales. Because I think, you know, it just makes it more interesting when they're best friends. Yeah. And the, and the ball at the bottom of the well, still. Yeah. For some other adventure. I love that. It's still just waiting. I love the frog leaning over the edge of the bowl and the two of them talking. That is just yeah. so sweet. And the frog making faces at the sisters after they <laughs> said that they were going to eat him for observed. <laughs> that was excellent. That was so it good. It really was. Uh, I'm so pleased. I hope our listeners are enjoying them as much as Isabel and I are obviously enjoying them. The third story for this episode, saving the best for us, maybe, who knows, is by our host, Isabel Hauser. But before you start off with your story, Isabel, what amazing things are you doing this summer? Well, actually, my summer plans are quite unspectacular. I have a long holiday plan for September, so I will be working throughout um, all the summer months. But I do have one really interesting thing planned, and that is attending a convention of the Magical Residence Association. I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh -huh. I received the 
Yeah, I've never heard of them before either. And I received the invitation in the most enchanting of circumstances. Because two weeks ago, um, my sweetheart and I, we stayed at this lush 19th century villa in rural Italy, in the Piemont region. And one night we stayed up quite late, sitting on the patio, having a glass of wine, listening to the crickets sing. And then um, my sweetheart wanted to go to bed. And I said, well, I want to say goodbye to the goldfish in the pond because there was this, this pond with um, a fountain and goldfish in it. And um, so he went up to the room and I walked down the gravel path and through the trees, I could hear a giggle and a light splashing. And so I peeked around the corner and I could see a woman standing by the pond. And now two things about her really stood out. One was that she made the goldfish jump through a bangle. And the other thing was she was quite translucent. You know, I could see the, the other trees shimmering through her. And so I approached her, we got talking, and it turns out that she is the spirit of the Contessa, the Duchess who originally owned the place about 150 years ago. Now, she got to talking and she shared some stories about what happened in that place. And I'm not going to spill the beans on what she shared, but I will tell you that at the end of the conversation, um, she invited me to this convention because apparently there are so many like her still living in these historical places. I have no idea what it's going to be like. All I know is that one full moon's night, I am going to be picked up by a spirit carriage and I have to wear a long flowing dress to really blend in with everyone else there and um, apparently there are panels on gentle haunting strategies how to deal with overcrowding of magical residents at really ancient places because you know in some houses many generations still linger and i hear that you know it gets really cramped and I am still on the fence on whether I should eat something when I'm at the convention because I know, oh, Simon is shaking his head vigorously. Anne is not so sure, I think, looking oh, at her no. face. She's chewing her lip because I do know you shouldn't eat anything under a fairy hill, but Convention of the Magical Residence Association, I don't know. What do you think? Maybe the listeners have an idea. Maybe they do. I just hope it's not a scam. <laughs> something like that they're not asking for payments up front are they <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> well in any case I will let you know when I get back if I get back well, I hope you get back because if you don't this might be the very last story our listeners hear from you no 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 I will you know maybe I'll turn it to one of the magical resonance myself uh-huh. And then I will just share the stories from the other world. Oh, come and whisper in our ears. <laughs> yes. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> so, so what story are you going to tell us, Isabel? So I am going to tell you a story that for some reason has a very strong personal meaning for me. Um, and maybe it will grow to mean something for someone else as well. And it's a story that starts off very... Simply. It's a story about two farmers who lived 
next to each other and their um, their fields would connect and they were separated by just a simple fence. And um, the two farmers, they got along quite well. They got up at the same time every morning. They tended their fields during the day and they went back into their houses the, at the same time when the sun set. And they did pretty much the same thing all day long. However, the fields of the one farmer, they would bloom. They would grow a rich harvest when the fields of the other farmer would be barren. When there was rain, only that one field would be flooded. When there was hail, only the the seedlings of that farmer would be destroyed. And so while the other, the, the one farmer became richer and richer, the other farmer got poorer and poorer and he just could not figure out for the life of him why the other farmer was so lucky and he was so poor when they did essentially the very same work day after day. And that question literally kept him up at night. So one night he was tossing and turning in his bed and she just could not fall asleep because he knew that he was almost running out of money and he did not know how to pay his rent. And so he got up, he decided to get a drink of water. And as he went to his kitchen, he saw a movement outside. And he went to the window, he looked out, and then he saw someone on the other farmer's field, someone who appeared to be sowing seeds. I knew it that he had someone helping him. The farmer thought and he stormed out of his house and he went to that other person. He said, who are you? You're not that farmer. Why are you working for him? And the person said, well, of course I'm working for him. I am his luck. His luck? What do you mean? Well, I'm his luck. You know, I make sure that his crop grows. You're his luck? Well, if you're his luck, where is my luck? And the luck of the other farmer leaned back and said, well, you see that big rock over there? Go check there. I think your luck might be over there. And so the farmer marched across the field, marched up to that big rock, and indeed, Behind that rock, there was a person sleeping, snoring, a little spit dribbling from the corner of his mouth. And the farmer really had to restrain himself so as not to kick that person. So he just gently touched his shoulder, wake up, hello, wake up. And that person, oh, what? It's the middle of the night. Why are you waking me? You are my luck. What are you doing here sleeping when you should be working my fields like the other farmer's luck? And that person, the other one's horrid, that stretched and said, well, you know, I am your luck, but I am not a farmer's luck. You're not a farmer's luck? What kind of luck are you then? Well, I think I'm the luck of a merchant. Have you tried being 
a merchant? The farmer opened his mouth and then closed it again. And he remembered that as a boy, he always wanted to become a merchant. He always wanted to move to the city. But it was so clear in the lineage of his family that he would take over the farm from his father. And so he did, but he never quite liked it. And as he let the words of his luck sink in, he took a decision. And the very next morning, he acted on that decision. He sold his farm, his fields, his land to the other farmer for quite a good price. And then he moved to the city. He moved into a small apartment and he began working as a mer merchant. His luck moved with him and his luck liked a bit of space. So very soon he had to buy a bigger apartment and he was able to afford a bigger apartment and then a house because his luck really liked to spread out. And as far as I know, he's still living there with his luck and they are very, very happy. Me neither. No, I just, I, I just love it. I expected something completely different, and and then that—that that was wonderful. That really was. That was really wonderful. Delightful. Like Where did you hear that one? I actually don't know. I heard it many years ago, and that 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 story just stuck with me. And it would always be in the back of my mind, but I couldn't really piece it back together. And then I think a few months ago, at a storytelling event here in Switzerland, I heard it again. And I was like, oh. And now I tell it myself because I like it so much. Mm -hmm. You know, now now I sometimes I see people or people I work with and I wonder, have you met your luck? Mm. Like, yeah. what is your luck doing? That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, that's a good story. Mm -hmm. That story needs to be shared greatly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. And if I find the source, I will share it with you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find storytellers online. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. Go find your favorite tellers from the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. Did you know that you can connect with me at simonbrooksstoryteller.com, which redirects to diamondscree.com, and then with Isabel at isabelhauser.com, that's I-S-A-B-E-L-L-E-H-A-U-S-E-R.com, and then with Rachel Ann Harding at... RachelAnnHarding.com R-A-C-E-L-A-N-N-H-A-R-D-I-N-G.com And you can also email us on the podcast at storystorypodcast at gmail.com And the music is by Poddington Bear. Now this episode comes with a special announcement. This special episode... <laughs> this episode will be the last one that comes out for a little bit the story story podcast is going high on hey <laughs> the story story podcast is going on hiatus for a little while as i bring the littlest storyteller into my family so all past episodes will still be available to listen to 
That was Simon being the littlest storyteller in this podcast. <laughs> so the, the episodes will still be up. Please enjoy them. Please keep listening to them. Go find the storytellers uh, that you've been hearing on this podcast. They've got so much good workout and they're performing again. So it's a great time to go and find places and listen to them. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like you. Yes, you. Yes, you. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast with your kindness and listening. There will be more stories down the road. And until then, live, live happily ever, ever, ever after. after. Mary Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court. Thank you.